All right. Uh, welcome back to K-pop fighting. This is the host uh, TYB, and and this is the co-host Kyun. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's a it's our second episode, and we did not we could not upload the first episode yet. So there's like no uploader, but we'll just keep going. And yes, we will. Yeah, and how was your week actually? Before we actually move on, uh, my week, uh, like my daily life. Yeah, well, anything special? I know you uh, did one thing for sure, but <laughs> oh yeah, I uh, d- made a lot of music. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah nice. I have been working on my album. Nice. Yeah. So that's basically it. <laughs> what is your like main uh, inspiration of your new album? Uh, I've been inspired by a lot of futuristic, mm. uh, but at the same time, pretty retro. So I guess. Retro futurism, uh, mm. in a way, uh, yeah, a lot of cyberpunk inspired aesthetics as well. Nice. Yes. Right now it's September, so for me, one thing. Uh, well, before we move on, I would say like what I did was just writing all the time, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to write the second chapter of my new web novel, but it's about Mozart oh, reborn. Wow. <laughs> Oh, to wow. become like a G Dragon like oh, yeah, like yeah. producer slash idol, mm-hmm. which I will like post when it's available in like English platform. It'll be soon actually. The September That's cool. first season. I'm almost done translating, so I'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. And then in K-pop scene in Korea right now, it's a September when I'm recording this right now, and soon there will be like a college festivals. Oh yeah, and all kinds of like groups, especially girl groups, because Boy groups are more international now, but right. girl groups they sometimes are more local, mm-hmm. more so than girl groups. Domestic, and, I guess. Yeah, 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 domestic. And then the one like right now, new jeans are oh, going wow. like, everywhere right now. Mm-hmm. Every college last year it was Ive, yeah, but this year new jeans was the thing right now. So that makes everyone exciting right now. Yeah. And by the way, we just recorded the first episode last week, and it was about. Oh, Shiok Bang. Right. So, what did you think about it? After, like him or anything changed after you recorded the episode? Yeah, actually, I got to uh, know about him more. Mm. Uh, and ever since, I've been listening to a lot of BTS music. Oh, nice. uh, and uh, yeah, it changed my perspective as a listener. Oh, uh, nice. I've been thinking about like how things were going on up behind the scenes mm. uh, and how this song was made, how this song was produced uh, and how the album was designed. Uh, yeah, and it really inspired me as an artist also of myself uh, and how I need to work on my stuff as well. Uh, and I really gained more respect to him as a producer. Oh, that's yeah. good. Thank you. Actually, that was the same to me too. I mean, I... I wrote a book, actually, which is available in, like, I imagine, Kindle, The mm-hmm. Time for K-Pop. And there, I thought I tried to grasp what, like, the significance of Shiok Bang. Mm-hmm. But after I listened to 25 songs, of course, all of the 25 songs that I listed were the songs I previously heard. Yeah. But I've never, you know, listened to his song, like, 25 songs <laughs> straight that yeah. it never happens right same same yeah maybe if i i can maybe listen to like 30 bts songs but then i concentrate on bts members per- performance right. right so i've never tried to like listen to like the producer bang Shiyuk's 25 songs straight wise and it kind of shocked me yeah it changed my perspective too i felt almost sor- sorry for him because i concentrate i think i concentrate more of him as a businessman or yeah. like a one who's a planner, who's a visionary. Sure, I mean, it's all nice thing. He's a visionary. Mm-hmm. He's a mogul. He's a businessman, obviously. He's the most successful K-pop right. person ever. But he's a musician. As and, well. As yeah. well. And he's like, a, and the core of himself is musician, I felt like. Yeah. And because he was too successful, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it. But then listening to his music, like, 25 songs straight I can feel like his ego as an artist and right. his like unique characteristic as an artist and what shocked me the most was I knew Friday night 
by G.O.D. was his oh, yeah. first K-pop hit song. Mm-hmm. But like it's been like what thirty years. Like yeah. I, I was really young when <laughs> G.O.D. actually made that song, and I when I listen to him now, see now I know the future, right? I know Bang Shiok will be like the biggest K-pop producer mm-hmm. ever, and with the BTS. What shocked me most was his mu- the Friday night kind of resembled BTS. Oh yeah, for it, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sure, it has like a disco, like JYP, like synthesized, it, which is not present in BTS. Uh-huh. But yeah. the rhythm part and like the melody, you know, it's melody, like especially the bridge melody is like very unique. It's like who makes that kind of melody, Nido? Yeah, it's, and that's what I always felt when I listened to. The BTS music, yeah, I see, I see. Like "Boy in Love," when I first hear it, I'm like, "Who would make that kind of melody?" You know, like it's not like, you know, generic. Yeah, it's not like EXO or Straight, GOT7 yeah. or like or like Block B type straight pop melody. I mean, mm-hmm. but that kind of I I'm, I don't know. Like Koreans say it's like nerdy melody. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Korean fans say it's nerdy melody, but that nerdy melody, whatever it is that unique blend of it's 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 very melodramatic but it's not too much melodramatic mm-hmm. it's very energetic at yeah. the same time and that unique blend of energy presence even in friday night yeah and even in his ballads so like he is a musician i mean i've i'm i so i'm very sorry about it so maybe i should rewrite all portion of his <laughs> his part or just Maybe I should just write a new book as well, <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. I, so it was really, it changed my perspective, and I hope the listeners will, you guys will feel the same. Any, anyway, and then like, so that was like how our life was for the last one week. Yeah, <laughs> and then after Shiok Bang, we thought of whom we should choose for the decks, and it was obviously Suman Lee, which is very obvious to me because. Before Bang Shiyeok, it was Suman Lee. Like those yeah. two are like the biggest personnel, if you say so. If we like, I wrote a book about history. Like it's basically started with Suman Lee and ends with Bang Shiyeok. Yes, yes. yes. So it's like those two people. If you want to sum up really briefly, it's like it started with Suman Lee. It ends with Shiyeok Bang. That's yeah, <laughs> pretty much it. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. So before Gyun, you're more like a younger generation. Right. I think the listeners are probably in your generation. So mm-hmm. what do you think of Suman Lee? I mean, Isuban. Uh You know, when I first uh, knew about him, yeah, he was already in his 60s, I guess. <laughs> so uh, he, he was already 50s when he started K-pop. He uh, was old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll, I always... Uh, I, I, I've known him as... An old man, of course, like yeah. behind the scenes. Even me too. Yeah, yeah. Who who has all the money and stuff? Oh, so he's a morgul uh, from the starts. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I know he, uh, he was a singer before. Yeah. He, he was a performer, but I but I've known him more as a businessman. Yeah, yeah, and a producer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I know more about the artist, but not Suman Lee himself. Uh, but I know he's a pretty talented producer, like really talented producer. Yeah. So yeah, I think one thing that kind of distinguishes Bang Shiok and Isuman is this. Uh, Bang Shiok. One thing I like most about Bang Shiok is he, he of course he dominates the project, but he never controls the projects. Oh wow! Like yes. he's like there. He lets other shines in their music and. Yeah. I'm not saying Isuman is very like a tyrant or anything. He's not, but in SM's music, uh, artists are the members of the member the team are obviously performers. They are like great performers. Like Tamin is a great example. Like, oh man, <laughs> we all know he's like great dancer, great performer, singing, dancing. It's every aspect. He's a perfect almost. Yeah, one of the greatest. Yeah, one of the great. He's like a Michael Jackson basically, but yeah. he never makes music. You know, he's. The, all the music and the, all the directions are just clearly directed by Isuman. Yes. So to me, it's it's like this. Uh, see, those two, like Bang Shiyeok and Isuman, are both great director. Yes. But in Bang Shiyeok, he let the actors shine. 
Yeah. Like Christopher Nolan, I guess, mm-hmm. where like all like the recent movie Oppenheimer, it's like a all-star Olympic for the actors. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> all sure. the good actors, the great actors, and the greatest actors. It's just, but that's how Bang Xiang makes movie. He, not movie, but he makes team. He yes. makes projects. He's like a, he let others use their talents and then he co-creates the mm-hmm. products together. But Isuman, it's more like his vision. It th- doesn't mean that he doesn't let others shine. They shine a different way. They're clearly just a performer, part of the plan. And Isuman is like the main brain behind everything. Like mm-hmm. he's more like a Hitchcock type person. Who, oh yeah. Wh- where in Hitchcock movies, awesome movie, but. It's not the actors who shine. It's always yeah. the director. and Like Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stanley Kubrick, exactly. Yes. Like It's clearly the director who controls uh, mm-hmm. every single scene. I mean, that's why I kind of like thought Bang Xia was more of a businessman, which I was wrong. He always, always has his own characteristics in every single song that has his credit. Mm-hmm. Like even the listener of him or 17th recent songs. Yeah. When there's Bang Xia's, there's always a, almost like a second of Wang Xiao yeah. in it. So, like, he's an artist. I'm not saying he's not. He's a great artist. But Isuman, it was more obvious. He's more controlling everything. So, which is, can be a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a style, basically. Mm-hmm. So, that's why I think um, one thing that kind of seems obvious of him, he's more of an artist as a whole. And every single song, that was, especially title songs produced by SM Entertainment before he left the company was all like his, what should I say, product. And you can see it. That's why I think it's very important. Yes. And another thing that's very important is although Bang Xiaok finished like and introduced K-pop to the world, it was Lee Suman who made it. Yeah. There's he, no doubt. He's he, a founder of K-pop. Yeah. Like I would say the... The like it's like a I, I don't know like your generation does does your generation know Evangelion like the new Genesis Evangelion oh yeah I do you do you guys yeah, do yeah I do I like, do it's like in Evangelion like he's the Isuman is like the father oh wow <laughs> yes. he carried Gendo and the Type Zero which is not made by Gendo almost is like so Teji like so Teji boys is like a prototype uh huh but then it's Isuman and his sons so-called are like the uh-huh. k-pop idols at yes. first and this so actually i thought actually starting with spang shiok and like in the second episode in choosing second episode as suman lee is a great like a natural flow because talking about him is basically talking about the genesis of k-pop basically mm-hmm. so we'll actually go to the genesis of k-pop now so yes. before he makes k-pop do you know Anything about him before H.O.T., Gyum? I mean, H.O.T., we all know he's like a first K-pop idol. If you don't know, he's like a, they are like the first K-pop idol. But before H.O.T., do you know anything about Izuman? Uh, Yeah, my dad, uh, my mom and dad, uh, they used to tell me that Izuman used to be like a performer, an, yeah. an artist of himself. Yeah. Uh, probably with the same... In the same generation as Imunze, I believe. Yes. Probably a bit before, but so... Similar, yeah. Yeah, so I, I know, I've known him as like a 70s, 80s singer. Yes, he is. Yes. Uh, S- that's very true, and actually it's kind of ironic. The big four right now of K-pop company, the SM Entertainment, YG Entertainment, JYP, and obviously the Hype, mm-hmm. but... All four of them are owned by musicians, not by the managers. Oh, yeah. And that was the thing. It's not the sales that they do. Like, it's not the marketing or sales skills or, like, you know, the connection you have with the broadcast centers or channels or anything because broadcasting center was so strong in Korea in the ni- until the 90s. Yes. But it's the music and it's the artistic vision mm-hmm. that matters most. That's what those four labels kind of showed. And Isuman is obviously, he's like the first generation. Other people are like one generation later than Isuman, so, and they are much younger. And that's why Isuman is like the pioneer of K-pop. So let's start with him before K-pop. So yeah, he was a singer, rock singer, actually. Yeah. And his music was quite hardcore rock, actually. 
Really? Yeah, <laughs> it was at, at first. At first, it mm-hmm. was more folks in the end, uh-huh. but like at start, at the beginning point, it was rock, and he went. Oh, and just on, just like Bang Shiyeok, Suman Yi Suman was also going to the Seoul National University. Oh wow! He was like a genius. <laughs> we, we'll keep going, and that's not even the start end of his career. And then he wa- academic career, I mean, and then he wasn't as pop. He wasn't like a top. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the top singer. But there was one thing that he was top. He was a top host. Oh, yeah. So you can think of him as like, you know, there's a sketchbook by Yu Hyer. He was like Yu Hyer, actually. Oh, yeah. So he was like a king of music show. Even like radio DJ, because radio was so strong in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like I would say in the 80s, and this in Korea, radio was much stronger than TV. Mm-hmm. And Yi Suman was a king of it. Uh, in Korea... Every Koreans know the radio program called Music Bank by Petcher Su mm-hmm. that was started with Isuman. The first DJ was Isuman, actually. Oh, Music Camp? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah. First, first DJ of Music Camp, like, it's like the biggest pop radio channel in Korea. No, no one like, yeah. ever knows that channel. And that was started by Isuman. That's how popular he was. Oh, also, wow. the Pyori Binnanen Bame. By Imunsa. Yeah. That yeah. was. He was also the DJ of that legendary radio. Oh, wow. So he was like the king of DJ and king of the host, actually. He, so you might say he was like a huge song of 80s or, and 70s. Yeah, actually, he was almost like that level of like huge song. If you know anything about Korean entertainment, huge song is like the king of the host. Yeah. And Yi Suman was almost like that, actually. So even after he started his own entertainment business, he did do like MC job even until like 90s, mm-hmm. like a little bit. But that was like what he was good at. Maybe it was because he went to Seoul National University that like people thought he was a smart guy and singer, so he yeah. could know both of them. One thing I think we should point out about his career, career other than he was not as successful, is that he wrote his own song. And mm-hmm. you guys would be like, so who cares? Everyone writes their own songs. <laughs> that was not the thing. In the 70s in Korea, everyone just copied pop song it was, or Japanese song. It's too bad, but like, yeah. I mean, guys, I mean, Korea was poor. <laughs> yeah. And we did not have a pop or music industry whatsoever. So in the 70s, Lee Suman wrote his own song and lyrics, and he was like a, almost like a purificist. Like he was like a, he cared about musicianship and he cared about artistship. He, he was well known for that. Mm-hmm. Like he was the guy who wants to create his own world, which is kind of ironic because SM is not like that. Uh-huh. So, but that was what he was. And during eighties, like seventies and average, I mean, I, I don't think this channel will be that much of a political uh, show. But I mean, you can't miss this. You can't just you know. Escape this. There were like this big, big uh, war against pop musicians of Korea in oh, the and yes. at the end of the seventies, which we will just point out later. Sometimes you, I guess we can uh, cover it, but just cut it short. There was like a drug scandal, and uh-huh. many, many, many pop singers got arrested. Like average musicians that was significant had a pro- had some link with that scandal. And although Isuman was not linked in it, it kind of you know hurts the morale and like hurts the energy of everything. And he was he basically gathered all the money he had and uh, put it into dollar and gave half of them to the parents. And with that half of his all the money, I think it's like twenty five thousand dollars. Oh wow! Which is very big. In it's I mean you mean it's eighties. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like early eighties. It's bef- it's like when Michael Jackson made, like, maybe Thriller. Like, it's that old. Yeah. I mean, that was a big money back then. And he just went to USA to study abroad. And his major, he went to UCLA. <laughs> oh, and wow. his major was computer programming. Very, you see, he's a very hip guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's 80s. and Really he, edgy. Yeah, computer programming. And it's a master's, he got a master's degree on it. And crazy. and he, while he was studying, he got married and he just you know studied the Americans' culture and everything. And he was shocked by MTV. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the year of like、uh, Michael Jackson, New Edition, Bobby Brown, those music, and he was hooked on it. I mean, although he was a rock musician, he, it's he was clearly a rock generation. Like、uh, during the seventies, it's like the heyday of rock with、mm-hmm. Eric Clapton and like Led Zeppelin, those kind of like dope rock music. But in the eighties. The new pop music came out, like black music, like Michael Jackson, obviously. I mean, all Madonna, all kinds of dance music, and he was shocked by the MTV, and he wanted to create it, the same one once he went back to Korea, and that's exactly what he did. After a certain amount of time, he came back to Korea, and then he first actually. Made his own techno music, computer programmed music, which was not successful. I mean, like he was already almost forty, <laughs> so、yeah. he decided to pick a person to like, you know, pick a person who can be like a Korean Bobby Brown,、mm-hmm. and that was none other than Hyun Jin Young. Do you、oh. know anything about Hyun Jin Young? Actually, uh, uh, same, uh, same again. Uh, I know him for, uh. Being like an artist back in eighties, nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Th- that's all you need to know. But like, Hyun Jin Young, like, is like, if you think of it, like, very clearly, he's like the first K-pop musician slash New Jack Swing musician slash hip hop musician. I mean, because back then, New Jack Swing and hip hop had a very, you know, very. They, They didn't even have a line much like Bobby Brown. He rapped. He rapped. I mean, like, it's even before Illmatic, before <laughs> Wu Tang、yeah. Clan or everything. So like, it, there's a very, very. So so he is like a sort of a first, almost first hip hop musician. I mean, I mean, you're saying what? But it's, but you said Sotheji is the first K-pop band. Yeah, but like, his first album was like a bit earlier than the Sotheji Boys album.、Mm-hmm. So. Technically, the first cape like we would cover this, but the first hip hop single would be the Kim Sakat by Hong Sabam. But he's a rock musician; he just <laughs> tried it. Yeah, but it was it was totally hip hop. It's you can't say it's not hip hop. It is a hip hop, but yeah, it's a rap single. It's a、yeah. rap single for sure. And after that, it's Hyun Jin Young for sure. And his first album is clear, clearly like it's not like like a new Jack Swing, but it's it's a dance pop. Music, so he started with that. But again, Hyun Jin Young was a very talented guy. Like if you see him, he wrote, he can write his own song,、mm-hmm. and he can do the rap. He write his own lyrics on the rap, and he was actually pretty good vocalist. Even like for tr- today's, what should I say? Even from today's criteria, he was a pretty good singer right now,、mm-hmm. and he. Was like one of the the best dancer ever in Korea. Like, there's a club called Moonlight,、mm-hmm. which was like a legendary club in Itaewon. They all the greatest dancers in Korea gathered there because the U.S. Army soldiers danced there. They wanted、oh. to see like how Black Americans dance, and that was the only place they could go. So there was like a what should I say? The best of the best. So there was the place. Where dancers can gather, and all the dancers, they, one there was one time the there was a talk show, and everyone from that, the Itaewon Moonlight members of that like you know dancers who played there gathered, and they, one person the Yuja Song actually asked who would be the best dancer there, and they all say it was Hyun Jin Young,、mm. so he was the best dancer, he pretty good singer even from today's point of view, unlike Tezzy Boys or Deuce, they're. Great musician, great dancer, but they're not like the best vocalist ever. But、no. technically, but Hyun Jin Young had everything. He got everything. He could write his own song, rap, dance, singing. But he had a problem, marijuana problem. Too bad. Oh wow! <laughs> so that's how his career got destroyed, and that's how SM almost got destroyed. <laughs> so there were dark days after Hyun Jin Young got、uh, arrested, and that kind of. Gives me an idea why K-pop is so, so, so tacky and controlling about the morale issue. Like, if you think of the personal, you know, despair 
Sumanli had experience with Hyun Jin Young, you could see how it goes. I mean, it's not always right or wrong. It's all the culture, but you can see how Isman was thinking. You need to control their morale. You need to have a good personality. You yeah. shouldn't be arrested. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not like hip hop in America, but like no. it's Korean thing. And ironically, that's how K-pop is popular too. That's one of the reason why. Yeah, because they're you know. Less problematic. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, actually, that's the same with pop now. I mean, Justin Bieber, he used to be a problematic person, but right now he's almost like a saint. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well. You're going to get canceled if you're, like, a problematic person. That's so true. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, we can't go on, but, like, one during this dark age, like mm-hmm. five, six years, Suman Lee was really sad because all the singers that he had under his label left and they become success <laughs> like uh, both clone and deuce were oh, yeah. the bad dancers for Hyunjin Young they mm-hmm. left the company went to other companies and they became like the biggest dance group in that era mm-hmm. so and while SM Entertainment's group were or their projects were all failed do you know the Magic Castle the, that's a very famous Korean ballad Oh, yeah, Magic I do, Castle. I do. That's like a classic Korean song. TVXQ actually even sang it later. Mm-hmm. Actually, the singer and the writer of that song, Kim Gwangjin, used to be SM Entertainment. Oh, wow. But the Magic Castle obviously was a huge hit. hit. He published it after he left to SM. So <laughs> it seems like every single guy from under like his label become successful only after they left his label. So he was not in a good condition at all. <laughs> and he was already, like, I think, late 40s, 50s. He was pretty old already. And, I mean, so he was in a very, very desperate condition. And that's when the H.O.T. came out. Yeah. What do you know about H.O.T.? I mean, I think H- K-pop fans nowadays know H.O.T. a little bit. Uh, Yeah, I uh, th- there's actually this... A Korean show that used to be really popular back in early two- 2010s. You mean the Infinite Re- Challenge? Uh, no, Re- Reply 1997. Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember the drama. Yeah, that's great it, drama. There's like a lot pretty, uh, there's like two two or three seasons on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like they kept going back like 94, 88. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this, the first season, 97, uh, used to cover on uh, the daily lives of Korean high school students yeah. back in 97. So, like, these, girl, these girls, they're, like, really crazy, uh, like, into H.O.T. and the rival boy, boy band. Jet Keys. Oh, yeah, right. They, you can't, like... You can't, like, ignore H.O.T. when you talk about 1997, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, we'll talk about Tazzy Boys later, but uh, H.O.T. is like a, almost like a replicate of H.O. Uh, Tazzy Boys, mm-hmm. but it's more systematic. Yeah. So uh, actually, this is how it started. Uh, Suman Lee made a poll to the teenagers. He asked around, what do you guys want as a singer? And they, Tazzy Boys were like a legend. But they were twenties already when they were debuted. Mm-hmm. They wanted someone who were teenager, like their age. They wanted like many people with a different kind of talents, like or personality and everything. And uh, Suman League all gathered those like informations, and he kind of asked around and just moved around all the high schools and just try to find out the talents. And what he did was, uh, actually, it's clearly H.O.T. is very, very much like Teji Boys music-wise. Mm-hmm. But then it's more systematic. It was Suman Lee who trained them. In Teji Boys, it was all natural. It, there was like a, just already a musician, Sa Teji, and he produced all the music. And two, one of the greatest dancers ever made those choreography and they just took care of the fashions and everything, and they just na- naturally made music video together. But in, te- in H.O.T., it's all the company's effort. Mm-hmm. 
and most singles were produced by someone besides their members. Mm-hmm. Like, and then that's when it comes to Yu Youngjin. Yu Youngjin was a R&B singer that Suman Lee produced. They were not that successful, but he kept going on, made producing his own music, and that became the core of HOT music and core of SM music, obviously. So, like, I want to point out one song called Candy. That's yeah. right. It's like, I, I mean, you can't just, you know, miss that point because Candy is, I think, the first K-pop single because it's produced by a company and it's performed by five members who were very distinctive colors. Like, literally, they all have their own colors. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's visuals, very... Japanese, it's very Asian, mm-hmm. but also the music is very reggae and American influenced music, also. But still, there's some Japanese, Chinese influence in it. You can't miss it. it. There's something, it's not just American, it's not just Japanese music, it's not just American music. So, I think it has all the characteristics of K pop, mm-hmm. and it's foremost produced by company. and performed by teenagers so it has all kinds of like characteristics of k-pop so so did you actually listen to the candy before yeah i actually loved that song Mm. uh which is really catchy really nostalgic very nostalgic yeah i mean i i never lived in that era Mm -hmm. but still it gives me the vibe of the 90s i believe uh i think it is like the most 90s song. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's <laughs> from like... From the 90s. It's like Backstreet Boys or NSYNC of mm-hmm. Korea. Yeah, yeah so... It's uh, like, I want it that way type of song. Mm-hmm. It's so iconic that uh, it's been remade. Like It's been like sung by a lot of K-pop artists yeah, now later on. Yeah, actually two years ago, like NCT Dream remade it. Yes, yes. Which was a big deal because it was SM Entertainment. Yeah. And... Oh, actually, 30 years ago, it was H.O.T. They they filmed their music video in Latte World. Back mm-hmm. then, was like the hip, the most hip uh, amusement park in Korea. Mm-hmm. And 30 years later, NCT Dream aired it on Everland, which is the hippest place, right. amusement park now. So it was all covered the same. And I liked that idea. And like all the music's essence of the music were the same. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was funny, and I th- couldn't understand the lyrics mm-hmm. when I when I first heard that song. But now, come to think of it, it was supposed to not make sense. It yeah. kind of catches the very melodramatic and very complex feelings you have when you're high school, like in Korea and high school. Unlike USA or other countries, you shouldn't date. Mm-hmm. But you're a teenager, so you want to date, you know. Yeah. So it kind of gives you like a almost like a sinful feeling. I mean, it, it's not a sin or it, uh, people date, of course, but like it just has that kind of strange vibes, which yeah. only Korea has, I think, almost. Maybe Japan has it, but like not as strong as Korea. And it catches that very complex feelings that you have in teenager, mm-hmm. I think. So it was supposed to not make sense, actually. So. I really liked it. It was written by the Jung Yong Jin, the Jang Yong Jin. He's like a actually teenager, and Suman Lee wants to put him in HOT as a member. Mm-hmm. That would have been great. I mean, that makes him like they them like a real almost like a Teddy Boys, right? If there were, yeah. of course, Kangta made a music later on, but still. But too bad for both of them. He did not want it to be a pop star back then. So he just sold the song. But it was so authentically high schooler because it was written by high school yeah. student. So that was the point, I think. And after that, it just we just covered the first portion of the K-pop, uh, I mean, career of Isuman for like so long and detailed because like, after a certain point, uh, Min Hee Jin or Lee Sung Soo and other guys pops in but at first it was clearly him and maybe Yu Young Jin and later Ken Ji but like so at the so I want to kind of point out the beginning career but that's kind of how it started so basically now okay H.O.T. got 
popular, and now it's a starting point of SM entertainment and K-pop in general, actually. Mm-hmm. So after that, we can go on and on. I mean, honestly, we can make a podcast about Isuman, and we can make yeah. it like a year. So we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take forever. Yeah, I mean, they made like sort of like a TLC type of girl group called SES. Yeah. And they made a stronger version of HRT, which is Xinhua. And it goes, and then they made like an R&B duo, Fly to the Sky. It go, goes on and on and on. But we can't go on like that. We, we will cover it later, but like we can't do it all in one episode. So like I would like to point out like a three points that made it matters most. And one is the system, I think. Yes. He is like a, he made the system, basically. I mean, he built the system, and I think K-pop is stronger than, than like, any other music nowadays because of its system, I think. Yeah. and So well-organized. Oh, yeah, so well-organized, and, like, it's, like, it's very well-balanced. Like, it's not only good for the company, but also for the artists, too. And yes. it's hard to have that balance. Like, in America, I think uh, it's good for the artists and actually artists are the leader of the project yes which is a good thing i i love american music or pop music but one thing that kind of bugs me is because of that no one invests on them mm-hmm. it's only themselves <laughs> so it's very individualistic you have to do it by yourself yeah but that i mean there's only a small thing you can do by yourself so actually, the rookie pop musician and rookie K-pop musicians—I mean, their support levels are different. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like someone like Rise, who were not by Lee Suman, but who were by SM Entertainment supported. I mean, that's different than like the rookie musicians we have right now, right? No. Yeah. So that's one thing, and there are many things that I wanted to point out. Like there, they like the unique systems, right? They have a almost like a. Hogwarts like yeah. schools <laughs> where you have to it's like a dorm school actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you have to train them and very competitive and yes. once you're picked you can learn languages you learn how to produce how to rap how to dance obviously dance is the most important acting or even nowadays they learn how to manage their SNS account I heard oh wow like how to make TikTok memes and things like that really yeah yeah I mean I heard and like and it's very systematic approach, yes. but you kind of need it at first, I think. It's yeah. a very complex issue, but like, and also the producing, like, there's so many people involved in it and mm-hmm. with all kinds of know-hows that it's really hard to compete against them as a solo artist or indie musician right now. Yeah, and it's, I, I think it's crazy because uh, they produce a lot of demos, yeah. uh, Working with collaborating with uh, dozens of producers, yeah. So these creative minds like come together, and they really uh, tear apart the whole song. Yeah. In uh, let's say we have demo one and demo two, they just combine those two demos together and make a whole new music. Oh, yes, uh, and I think that's like the craziest part. It's so creative, and um, also what's f- very interesting to me is. You can't miss it. Like, no matter whom they bought it from, mm-hmm. it's always SM's music. Yes. It's always Isuman's music. Yes, There's yes. always a very distinctive characteristic. And it all started with SES. Mm-hmm. Their, their second album had a title song called Dreams Come True. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Which was bought by, like, the Northern European composer, which never happened back then. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> and the, and it, the ASPA remade it. If you listen to the song, it's very unique. Like the synth, the melody line, it's all like very, it's not Korean. Yeah, it's yeah. not K-pop. It's very Northern Euro feelings, vibes in it, which mm-hmm. is very, it's, it's very hard to like know like where that this music is from. Mm-hmm. And after that, like actually uh, they kept going on and made their own song camp system. Of course, song camp system was not just invented by Korea or anything. Like the Kanye West did it, many, many people did it. But yeah. the, the K-pops, they made their own song camp system, which 
made them work very well, actually. Yeah. Like, uh, all the music lovers were shocked when they heard the uh, Red Velvet single called Bad Boy. Oh, yeah. It was a really, really good, si- good single. Very, very high quality. But one thing that kind of interests me the most was the producer. It was the Stereotypes. Oh, yeah. They won the Grammy at that year. That wow. year when the Red Velvet song Bad Boy was released. It was not by a Bad Boy, but it was mm-hmm. their work with Bruno Mars, I believe. Yeah. But my point is this. The winner of the Grammy w- collaborated with the K-pop label. <laughs> That's how good their system is. And yeah. the stereotypes, when they interviewed, they, they actually say very high on SM. They're like, unlike U.S. label, they gave us more power and they wanted us to advance and just do some, take a risk and everything. That was very shocking to music lovers because we all thought, Labels like SM Entertainment, those K-pop labels made like a machine-like, very, you know. Factory. Yeah, factory and very, you know, just a product. Mm -hmm. But like actually the best producer in the world literally told us that they gave us the freedom. That's why we love to work with them. That's very shocking right now. And those qualities were like very inevitably just put in like a part of K-pop and that's why no one can like laugh at K-pop right now their musics are so good Mm -hmm. and other than it's not just the system itself there was like this pioneer spirit in SM's music they never you know just repeat their success it just keeps going on it's very edgy yeah extremely edgy like like really different yeah I mean all the SM songs were very edgy like like, do you know, like, the first single of EXO? Uh, Mama, Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yes. I mean, who makes that kind of song? It's, like, it's yeah. like, there's a Latin choir who sings, like, a mass Misa music. Oh, mm-hmm. It's, like, almost Marvel movie soundtrack. Yeah. Who makes that? And it's about, like, you have to save the earth. We have to, you know, think about the eco-friendly life. Oh, who says that? Or, like, yeah. have a harmonized life. Who makes that kind and of the music? whole alien concept. Yeah. It's that, just, it's, that's crazy. That's just all crazy. I mean, who makes that? Or, like, TVXQ. TVXQ was, like, a dream team. Oh, yeah. Of, of dance sure. pop. But then they made a cappella ballad. <laughs> yeah. As a sure. debut. That's, like, who does that? Like, it, it's very, very interesting guy. I mean... He always kind of mess up with like the previous thoughts and just you know he's like a rebel almost like he always pushes the limit. I think blows your mind like every time. Yeah, every time mm-hmm. and like 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 NCT like right now NCT we all know is a great success. Mm-hmm. But at first we were like, who makes that kind of music for the idol? I mean, their first two singles were Seventh Sense. Yeah, Seventh Sense, Fire Truck. They were like uh-huh. so dark. It was like almost like yeah. a cloud rap type of music it's like who makes that we were yeah, like, like yeah like an alternative r&b yeah alternative like, r&b almost like darker than weekend like yeah. early weekend not like mm-hmm. weekend as a pops yeah pop star now like it was very shocking and even during their like earlier more successful works like the cherry bomb mm-hmm. to me was a shocking it was like so hip-hop as a spirit yeah that I was like, well, who makes that kind of music for <laughs> idol boy band? So, so he was very, what should I say? He was a very innovative guy, yeah. for sure. He, to me, he's almost like a Steve Jobs of music or something. Mm-hmm. Like, or like there's a song, EXO's Tempo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it classic puts, song. It puts acapella and like SMP, like rock, hip-hop, yeah. blended, very hardcore music together and those musics are all put together in like one seamless masterpiece. It's yeah, it's ridiculously well made song. Yeah, it was a cinematic experience. Yeah, it is uh, listening to that song. Yeah, like and then the song's quality itself, like everything seems like so high quality that like it's hard to, it's Im- almost impossible to deny that he has something for sure. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, and then one other thing that I think made him so important is his his uh his vision as a globalization. Like yeah. at first it was Japan. He actually made SES to conquer the Asia because there was uh 
Korean American. There was Korean Japanese. Yeah. Was, he was his point was to make like a a the global not global but the total Asian mm-hmm. girl group, which did not work out that way. I mean, SES went to Japan, but it was not like a huge success. Mm-hmm. But because his work with the, his you know, his collaboration with Japanese label. Because Japan was like one of the best music country back then. Yeah, it kind of gave SM like a great experience, and like they gave a lot of know-hows. Their music became like a high, much higher level quality music after SES, but still, it wasn't that much successful. So he made produced Boa, mm-hmm. the, probably the first Asian the Korean K-pop star, like as a global K-pop star. Yeah. He put her into international school, and then put her to the like make like a homestay for Japan because he thought it was a language barrier that kind of killed SES mm-hmm. in Japan. So he made Boa as like an international person, like who can speak both English and Japanese perfectly, who knows their cultures. Yeah, and it worked obviously. Yeah, because Boa is one of the dance. Pop diva legend in Japan, even even now. Uh-huh. And then he still works very actively now. She, and she's first time actually that made it work. And then obviously TVXQ. Yeah, they were like big, big, big singers in Japan, and even now, right now. So like the globalization was, I think, one of the key things that made K-pop very successful. Obviously, mm-hmm. and even. Bang Shiyo, when he first produced BTS, was thinking of going to Japan and China because of EXO. Mm-hmm. He knew the success of SM Entertainment. Okay, EXO can go to Japan and China. I'll do the same thing. Of course, they didn't have time for that because America kind of almost yeah. you know, asked them to come. <laughs> so they couldn't, but they had always that in, in their mind, which... Mm-hmm was a very big thing I think so he was he was a true pi- pioneer it's, it's very interesting like yeah what kind of so is there any song that you wanted to like point out that has like a very global feelings in SM uh, actually uh, a song from EXO uh, oh, yeah. the song is called Overdose I oh, believe oh yeah uh, that's a great song the way the boy band, the the group is produced, they kind of split the whole group into half. Yeah. Uh, the half of the group is Mandarin, and the half is Korean. Yeah. So they basically labeled the two teams as XOM and XOK. Uh, and I ble- I was like ten at the time when oh. Overdose came out. Yeah. Uh, it was such a great song, but there's like a Chinese version to it. Mm. And they actually released a whole album in Chinese mm. and Korean. Very and the members that are singing the songs are different. So so the members in Chinese s- sing the song in Chinese, and the Korean members sing the song in Korean. So that was a really mind-blowing concept mm. to me uh, then. Uh, and, you know, ever since ever since that... A lot of K-pop groups uh, try that. Uh, tr- try that. Uh, like, there's these Japanese version of Korean songs, uh, English versions of Korean songs. So I believe, I mean, Overdose probably wasn't the first time that they tried it, but uh, it was pretty shocking at first. That's very great example. That's, yeah, it kind of reminds me of Kick It. They don't actually the. NCT, they have their uh-huh. own members like 127, Dreams, and there's yeah. a Wave, Wavy, yeah. which is for China and everything. But the kick it itself is a very global feeling in it. It's like a very Quentin Tarantino's, yeah. very Kill Bill, or very cyberpunk, yeah. very Kung Fu-like. And very Asian. Yeah, and that's exactly what many, many Westerners want to see from like Asian mm-hmm. musicians. But like... They went it so like well done that it's kind of kind of surpassed the Orientalism actually, yeah. just by quality, top tier. Yeah, and dance and rap and everything. Just they just went on and on and on. So 
that's kind of really, I think, good example. And the way you told me about like how EXO had a two teams, it kind of me think about how Isuman doesn't just make innovative music. He always was questioning how he works, how we work. So there, he was always questioning the previous format. Yeah. Like the two teams format or TVXQ was actually a all-star team because there were like five groups. He disbanded all of them and put best of the best into uh-huh. one group. Yeah. Which is kind of like Super M because they yeah. have Shiny, EXO, and like NCT. NCT and put all the members into one team. And... And uh, Super Junior was kind of like NCT because every yes. year there was a group and they disbanded, yeah, disbanded. and rebranding. Yeah, each rebranded. Time. And that's sort of like NCT, especially NCT Dream because there's yeah. a graduation and everything. So he always questions the previous K pop boy group format and makes a new format, mm-hmm. which was not, you know, well received every time. <laughs> uh-huh. But still, in the end, it kind of worked. <laughs> Yeah. Very strangely, yeah. And you know how Super Junior, uh, they used to have the rebranding concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it kind of, it didn't work well. So they actually uh, they actually gave up on that concept. Yeah, yeah. And really, uh, it's been like uh, uh, probably like 13, 13 years mm-hmm. since they like uh, established, uh, s- settled own. down yeah, yeah. Uh, as a group. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, apparently, Isuman didn't uh, gave up on that concept. Not at all. Yeah. And he put it back in with the NCT yeah. project, and he even evolutionized it with, uh, uh, you know, like different city concepts. Yeah, or project concept. Age, uh, like teenage, NCT Dream, and even by the countries like Japan. Uh, China, USA, USA. NCT Hollywood, whatever. Yeah, that's that was pretty crazy. And I think that's very interesting because like there are many times you can change the format. Like there was one song called "Baby Don't Stop," which was only Taeyong, and I believe it was, I believe it was ten. Mm-hmm. Those were two two members were doing their own song and it's really hard to do that kind of like you know very what should I say it's hard to do that kind of uh, regrouping as a team but in NCT makes sense yeah and and kind of that's kind of how he revolutionized everything like by like destroying the format and it's not just a group song too like we should Talk yeah. about the Espa's next level. For sure. It has like a, I said it's like a, almost like a sickle mode of K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put like three totally different songs in, in one song. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, the song starts with like a very hip-hop, punk fe- feeling to it. Yeah, yeah. And then like it progress- progresses into like a ballad, R&B, and it kicks back in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Like the first part of it is almost like a American pop or YG like song. Yeah, yeah. It's actually I believe it was one of the soundtrack of the Fast and Furious. Yeah, they purchased the license and they interpolated into a K pop song. And then the songs that you see between the, you know, starting point at the end, mm-hmm. there it has like a very high vocals and very K pop feeling in it, R and B feeling. But yeah. you just put all those in it into one song. Yeah. So it's a totally dis- different experience. Yeah, it feels like a roller coaster ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you watch it with the music video, it's even more obvious that this is mm-hmm. a roller coaster ride. And even in their recent songs, like Girls, yeah. like the, the part where the synthesizer. A break comes in the song takes a really wide turn wild turn like it feels like playing a video game at some point uh so yeah it was pretty innovative revolutionary yes yeah, yeah. yeah. i see that now like with the companies there was like a conflict between the companies and in the end he is now out of sm entertainment he has a new business in china i heard mm-hmm and we will talk about that issue. That's 
probably you can have like more than one episode on it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty a, complex. It's a very big issue, but we'll talk about that later. Cover it later. But right now, like this is a very very brief <laughs> version of yeah. his career. Right now, we didn't even talk about their groups or everything because like it takes forever if yeah. it starts. So I didn't probably if we decided to work on the group's actual career, we couldn't even finish H.O.T. <laughs> we nope. only covered one song by H.O.T. and just covered brief characteristics of Isuman because it was, he's a big, big career. I mean, he's, his like 20, 30 years careers were all basically history of K-pop. So it's one of the very uh, big figures. So that's why we cut it in like more simplistic term. I mean, it's just a starting point, but yeah, it's when I like decided to do it, I kick, like kind of made like a playlist for Isuman. Mm-hmm. And at first, I made a Spotify list, yeah. but then I changed it to YouTube because only by listening to the music does it not make any sense. Right, right. Like you have to see it. Like like kick it NCT twenty seven. Like yeah. it's a great song by listening, but you have to see their music video to kind of make sense. On yeah, it. for sure. So like. I watched like the 40 songs and it was it amazed me. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like ridiculous quality. Yeah. And there were like even orchestra, <laughs> EDM, it was yeah. just, or jazz. It was, it's just crazy how like there's so many songs on, so many aspects. Yeah. So, yeah. And even his like pioneering spirit is kind of living in K pop music scene right now, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's still working on his projects in China, but like even like from even let's say it's the career ended now. Even if, let's say just for the sake of the argument that his career ended right now, I think he is the founder of K-pop even right now. Yeah, and, like the inventor. Yeah, and the fundamental, all the fundamental point of K-pop is. Has been made already by Isuman, so mm-hmm. so like all the music we would listen to after that is kind of almost like kind of almost in like in birth or started with Isuman. So yeah, that, that was the point of it. So, is there anything you wanted to add more about Isuman? Uh, yeah, and, and I really respect him, uh, yeah. both as an artist, a producer. Uh, and a businessman yeah. is because like he never stops taking risks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can turn out bad, but he doesn't give up, and like he keeps on uh, searching for a new way to approach things. So, uh, like we said earlier, I really think I feel like he's the Steve Jobs of K-pop industry. Uh, yeah. So I can't wait to see his like next moves. I guess. Um, I'm not sure when or where or what it is, but I'm pretty sure he he's gonna come out with a new creative, uh, creative uh, project. I guess. See, thank you. I mean, yeah, he is one of my favorite producer for sure. Like mm-hmm. I, I was Same. a f- big fan of SM music. Like when he was the executive producer of yeah. SM, because not that the music after. Sumanli left for terrible or anything. It's just different. Yeah, and you just can't feel it. Like, uh-huh. and then his music had this very distorted, very very distinctive, innovative spirit in it. Yeah, so like that, which made, which made it like almost like an indie version of K-pop. <laughs> yeah, like alternative K-pop. Alternative K-pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I liked about it, and like. I would kind of want to see the air of him because I know like Bang Jiyeok is there and Min Hee Jin is there and there are great, great producers out there, but I don't see anyone who kind of follows the step of Isuman. That's hard way, actually. Yeah, really hard. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of want, want to see that at some point. So, yeah, I kind of want to show respect to him also. Uh, he's, he's probably one of the best producers with Bang Jiyeok and... Mm-hmm. Wanting to see more of him and more of the air of him, and yeah. Like uh, mind wise, so next episode we decided to do actually JYP. Yeah, we did. Yeah, because JYP is like he's a very interesting figure. Like, I mean, 
I think it's a very natural step, natural route, because after Bang Siok and Isuma, it's obvious JYP. Yeah. Second biggest K-pop label and obviously big, big artists. Yeah. Who can it be other than the one and only JYP? Yeah, and also yeah. one thing that's interesting is he's a, unlike other two, like, of course, Isuma was a singer too, but he was a top singer Yeah. also. So I think it'll be very interesting because I don't think we'll cover that much of of like a straight kids or like any one group. Yeah. Especially straight kids. I mean, like he never produced their songs, but we can't just talk about his solo. Yeah. Also, because you know him as a solo and him as a producers are two different. Yeah. Aspect, and I think most people who listens to these podcasts would. Be more interested in their the producer JYP than yes. the solo singer JYP. Cause so we would see how it goes and like and we'll just share the story more and more. So if you have any question or anything you want to you know, react on it, please put it on a reply and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>